everybody. Happy Tuesday. I'm Candle the Farm Plug. Yo, this is Kayla, better known as Camper K. Gang, gang, super squad. What's up? All the way out. Yeah, I'm well, I'm well. How are you? Where are you at today? Austin, Texas. That's where I reside. <laughs> gang. Super gang. All right, so you got some news? You want to kick us off with the news? Yes, I have a couple news stories. So first, I want to talk about Meg the Stallion, another Texas babe, amazing rock star rap gang, <laughs> amazing, beautiful woman. Um, she had an op-ed in the New York Times today, and I just feel like I wanted to highlight it because she just, the, the title was Why I Stand Up for Black Women. Um, and I feel like that's such a powerful title in of itself. And um, she just talked about all the different things that Black women face, that not only that we carry the vote in a lot of situations, but then we're end up victims. We don't, we're not listened to. Um, our body is policed more than anyone else. And um, that a lot of times we're stereotyped as angry and aggressive. And I know that's something both me and Candace can um, identify with. One of the quotes she said, there's not much room for uh, passionate advocacy for a black woman. So that, that quote really struck me. So I was like, I had to, I had to highlight that. Even though I know it's not completely food ag related, but you know, we're talking about being today and like how can you be and exist and be at peace with nature if you can't even be at peace with yourself or your society because everyone's hating on black women women so yeah that's one of my stories the second story is a little bit more uplifting of black women excellent um it is this woman named sarah minker um she created this uh company called grow intelligence and it's like a data company that analyzes data associated with the food and ag industry to help predict commodities and stocks and help farmers invest in land and she just realized there was a lack of data in the food and ag sector so she decided to create a company to address that so talking about black excellence like that's you know a key example and inspiration to both me and Kanda so you know um, I'm really happy to see her going out there and doing excellent things for the world <clears throat> And then the last thing I wanted to mention is um, the World Food Program actually won a new um, Nobel Peace Prize. So I just wanted to highlight that not to really promote the World Food Program to say they're doing an excellent job, but just to say how important food is um, and to kind of highlight that, you know, starvation and food access is a huge issue. And um, they said in their article that they're using um, to stop hunger for being um, uh, an exacerbation for war and conflict around the world. So it just ties into how food and access to food, access to resources is a big disruptor to peace, like here and internationally. So those are my little pieces of news for today. I said you had a little sprinkle of everything in there and I was that was cool. It's a lot going on on Earth today, girl. Yeah, so much. Um, yeah, and she definitely shout out Meg the Stallion because hmm, Black women matter. Okay. Yes, I love her. So, um, picking up, we're because we're we we're talking about um the that food piece. Of, well, we're tapping into that a little bit, but the news that I had kind of piggybacking off of the innovation um, that you had pointed out, the Black excellence. Um, Tuskegee University receives an artificial intelligence grant. So Tuskegee University is part of the White House initiative to establish seven artificial intelligence research institutes and five quantum information science research centers and they're going to use about a billion dollars to do that right so they're spreading these out amongst different institutions so i believe um so the one billion dollars is meant to be spread out throughout um the next five years 
Um, the NSF catalog is a collaboration of federal agencies. So it's a, pretty much the Department of Transportation, Homeland Security, the Department of, of Agriculture. So that's an interesting collaboration there. Um, but they launched the National AI Research Institute's program. And it's an investment into research and education is what they say. I won't lie, Earthseed, I'm a conspiracy theorist. So, so these are just some we definitely got to pay attention to, but I do think it's beautiful that they are, um, that we have the opportunity to directly get involved with things like this, because this is how you, I guess, stop evil things from being done in the world, because the innovation is going to happen. It's yeah. not something we can stop, but if we can be a part of it, then we can definitely help to guide, yeah. and guide the ethical background and the morality or contribute to that process more. So um, that's that in a nutshell. Yeah, and my second story is about Trump. And it also came from the New York Times. Um, he is funneling record subsidies to farmers ahead of election day. So for people who don't know what subsidies are, I'll probably explain this 40,000 times throughout the duration of the show, but I'm gonna keep doing it because subsidies is your money. It's taxpayer money. And it's pretty much like a grant from the government, right? It's, it's, it's a legislative action sector and how you, you um, fit into a certain category, fit the requirements. So Donald Trump, Donald Trump. So he's really known for these big, um, like the stimulus check, for example, these are real big acts of like patriotic appreciation for Americans, I feel like um, it's really just more sh for show than it is for actual benefit of all Americans because grants like this uh, totaling in about $46 billion that will be distributed amongst um, farmers that exist today. So they have not actually written out the stipulations for it. This is something that he's just talking about rolling out. Um, but the American Farm Bureau has reported that debt in the farm sector is projected to increase by 4%. And to up to and that 4% will bring them the debt up to a 40 a $434 billion ticket that exists in the farming sector alone. Um, and farm bankruptcies have continued to rise across the country. So um, when we were talking earlier before the show started, we were just saying, I was thinking that this would be a good time to get into agriculture, um, but depending on how they, the stipulations that they draw around this $46 billion, new returning and um, young generation farmers may not be able to benefit um, in a way that is conducive to more sustainable and regenerative farming techniques, right? So those are my two stories. I feel like my brain is all jostled and everything, but I'm, we're hanging in there. So it's a lot going on on earth, but those are two for me, two from Canberra Gang, four current events. Um, Charmin or anybody who is listening in, Maria, do you have That's some Sarah. news? Ah, Sarah! Oh, <laughs> you better get on here and talk to us. Tell us something. I know it's something going in on the world. Can you hear me? Yes. yes, I can. Oh, my friends, it's so beautiful to see you guys. I'm just enamored. You, you both. Oh, I'm here for it. I feel like I have no room to talk. I'm, I am here to support and listen and learn. And yeah, that that article by Meg The Stallion was so good, so good. Man, I have yeah. to check it out. I feel I feel like a big loser because I haven't read it yet. Never. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we definitely, no, 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 but we still want to hear your input though, Sarah, because um, can you just at least introduce yourself, tell people who you are, like your background or something, because like, bitch, you cold, sure. and we love you, and yeah. we fuck with you, and you down with the revolution. <laughs> hey, look, look what I'm repping today, actually, too. Uh, oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Meeting you both was probably one of the best things that came out of that school for me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I studied human rights. I'm anti-imperialism, uh, really anti-colonial models and systems, and and really believe in 
revolution and not reformation. <laughs> I don't think reform is the answer. And, and I think that is, you know, extends across a lot of systems, but um, more so getting into agriculture and farming and beekeeping. And um, I think it's such an important topic to talk about subsidies because in general, people have this fear of how can we get healthcare? How can we get college relief? How do we get reparations? Where does that kind of money come from? And the money's there. It is just designated to corporations, oil subsidies. When we talk about farming, it's seldom ever communal farming or sustainable practices. And so I'm, I'm so excited for your guys' show and this podcast, and I'm fucking here for this. <laughs> hey. Thank you for joining. Oh my yeah. God. Love you guys. Thank you. Love you too, sis. For real. All right. So with that being said, right, today yeah. we're going to talk about bees for being. And I think, um, Kayla, thank you so much for being hip and being in the loop and for bringing Meg the Stallion to the conversation today because sis clearly knows a lot about being a bad bitch. No, I'm just kidding. Um, hey, being <laughs> That's nah, true. but being a bad bitch. <laughs> no, like triple B, like for real. Today we're doing that. Um, so but what does being mean to you? Like bad bitch aside, what does being actually mean to you? Yeah, so that that's such a big question. Um, so I definitely grappled with that. And for me, it's just existing and breathing and acknowledging that of uh, being aware of my existence, you know. Um, being in a place where I'm not letting what's happening in the world or what's happening around me define my existence. Um, like being for me, it's just being aware of my existence and allowing that alone um, to, you know, take control and take, you know, um, over all the noise and all the chaos that we surround, that surround us on a daily basis. Yeah. So how about you, Kando? All right, I'm trying to like conserve my little phone from heating up because you know I like to uh, do goofy shit. Um, <laughs> nah, but when I think about being, I agree with you, it's almost meditative, right? It almost instantly puts me into a whoa. And it, the first question I ask myself, like, it's are you being or are you doing? Or are you reacting, and, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, it, it puts me in a place where I'm like, okay, I don't have to do a whole bunch of shit when I bring myself to a space, right? So I am a scholar. I am intelligent. I am all of these things. So just by showing up and um, while wow, it's so dope that um, even with you, Peace, you know what I'm saying? Like just with us being there, like the experience was dope. We got to bring something new. Everyone, it was just a whole new experience for everybody. I think we had a really unique class, um, really unique experiences. And even, you know, I don't know. I think everything was just taboo at that time. And, and that's what being is about, um, being, a, being able to reflect and like know where you are within a current frame. You know what I mean? Like it, it makes me think about time, like being aware, being present. Um, like I just got a new tattoo and it's actually the Kanye West bear. I don't think I showed you. Did I show I, it to you? I saw it on social media, I think. I'm or super maybe. thirsty. Hey. I came, I'll show you. I don't know. I'll send you a picture, but it's the Kanye West bear with a thought bubble. Yeah. And the thought bubble has a present in it. So it's like his mind is on the present and out of the box is a bunch of flowers. And it says it ain't happy yet. And that's what intuition is. So even like by just existing you feel things and these things tell you things so yeah you know i'm i'm big spirit gang so it's a whole bunch with being that like yeah i go to the astral zone and shit so it's levels to to be it's levels to being essentially no for sure i think i guess for me it's because my mind can take me in so different so many different places um i feel like for being i need to concentrate in that current moment you know in in my relation to the world you know in that moment instead of thinking future plans and past what's happened but like where i am now 
and like you said I am a scholar I am intelligent you know those things that define me versus like what I want to do or what I have done so do you find that it's easier for you just to be in certain settings like how how now okay so that's what being is but now how do you be like yeah how do you be well kind of going into I guess our second question is like being in nature in or in your environment you know I feel like nature can be connotation of you have to be into the wild or in the wild or in forest but like being in your environment um I feel like for me to really be in my environment I have to listen to my environment and like what's surrounding me so whether that's people in my family or whether it's the trees rustling in the wind or you know the birds singing um it really does depend but i feel like so many times we get caught up in whether it's our phone or the news or thoughts in our mind and we're not actually listening to that current moment or to the earth itself breathe or you know our family members you know and their emotions and their feelings around us um so yeah, from being, it's definitely a listening and a, a stopping and kind of a silence um, and taking yourself out of the situation in a sense. Damn, you so poetic. <laughs> that shit hit my heart. I'm like, oh, listen to the earth breathe. That's like the air. That's the wind blowing. Oh my God. Yes. Like, well, I mean, I be in nature. Like I be in nature, like it doesn't matter. Like even after living in Mississippi for a while, after living in Alabama for a while, then coming to Costa Rica and just being so, you know, the ants were inside. So nature was also amongst me there. It was no escaping it. And it was, sometimes I wasn't fucking with it, but other times it was like, damn, yo, like this is earth. Like I fuck with earth, you know? So, um, but even as I'm in the city, I find myself, my happy place is always, Hako, like that first time we went, I see that palm tree that's all sideways that we were sitting on. I see the palm, the palm pipe being rolled. Like I'm just instantly taken to a natural place or Arenal with a volcano sitting there, just beautiful and statuesque and and being unmoved and solid, but still so fluid and and temperamental. Like I think it, it pulls like I feel like nature shows me that it's okay for me to be however I am, whenever I am, like however I am in that moment. And like, especially like, you know, bringing my bitch Megan back into it. Um, I need to read that. Y'all make me want to just stop and read this article. Um, but uh, to be a pa passionate advocacy, that is, I've never, I don't, I feel like I might've heard that before, but I, li I really like that. Um, I really like that, so that connected for me somehow and I'm just gonna leave it right there. No, that makes perfect sense because I feel, feel like a lot of times society doesn't allow us to be our full selves, you know? Uh, we have to curtail it, cut it, edit it, form it to whatever is professional. Uh, someone was just talking about the idea of professionalism is entrenched in white supremacy. Like what, what is professional and who defines it? Mm -hmm. And how does get that mm -hmm. person power? Um, so I, I definitely understand. Okay. I mean, no, I mean, but like professionalism is exactly it. So when you, we're talking about being in nature, right? So how can we as like black women be in our natural state in a professional environment when our hair, yeah. your hair as it is right now, or my hair and locks, both, depending on where we are, our hair could be considered unruly, depending on the day of the week, you know, considered unprofessional. So yeah. who, like you said, who gets to dictate that? And then why is it that I now have to, my nature then becomes compromised because I'm so busy, like not, I have to figure out ways to not be my natural self now for whatever reason something outside of me has imposed. But um, I say fuck that shit, honestly. Yeah. We don't have I to... And does that go into our second question or third question? I feel like we're already leading into it, but the mm -hmm. third we're already going into it. But the third question is: How does the relationship between humans affect nature, or or if nature is that what it is? Let me see. Yeah, I mean, it's the relationship with human beings and nature. Yeah, and naturally, I think I think that yes. human beings are can impact and are 
equally impacted by nature as yeah. nature is by humans. So I think we, we kind of think that the relationship is unidirectional and it flows both ways. Like it's a power exchange. Yeah, I would, the reason I was bringing that up too is um, you're saying that we can't be in our own state of nature in a sense because of this critique or this societal pressure, white supremacy. Um, it also affects our ability to be in commune with nature if we at ourselves can't be in a state of like balance and understanding with our own state of nature. How can we go out and be in nature and be in peace if we're not at peace with ourselves in our own natural state, if that makes sense, you know? So I feel like that is another way the bridge between us and nature is, you know, um, broken because we're seeing natural, you know, how many times is our hair or black hair compared to uh, animal, like a woolly, a woolly sheep or something, you know, there, there's these certain things that natural or wild is assim, uh, assimilated or uh, compared to untamed, unkept, like the wild nature is unkept or uncultivated land. Like our hair is uncultivated or unkept, making it lesser than, like that doesn't make it any lesser than. So I feel like that deeply, you know, another way that dissects and removes us from being at peace with true nature, you know? Mute. You're a mute. <laughs> I was saying, like, it's like a negative, you saw me say fuck, did you? Um, it's a negative spillover, right? If you can't respect Mother Nature and all of her, un, un, like, wildness and, and naturalness, then you can't accept women or people or culture and it's wild, natural, and sometimes reactive you know what i mean stay and i'm saying reactive not to not like like not thinking but just like that automatic equilibrium that's gonna happen no matter what right so i think even what's going on socially right now is directly reflective of you know climate change like earth is warming up it's been warming up people of color black people especially been warming up we've been getting hot this is this, yeah. this is nothing new these are not new conversations that are coming to light right now the me too movement how the me too movement how long have women you know been saying been saying these things and nothing is new that's being said you know it's just a matter of the way that it is received by those in power so like i was saying it's a power exchange you know but that vulnerability has to be respected it's not something to be taken advantage of you know so like even in passionate advocacy there's an element of vulnerability there because i'm really letting you know how i feel like i'm really exposing myself on what i care about when i do that and for black women it's so often that gets turned on us where it's like damn this angry black woman like this angry black bitch like you know then you automatically and then that does things like i know for me there there have been times where it's like you know i got a deeper voice my voice is heavier so there were times in my life where i was like damn gee i need to just be quiet because yeah. niggas is gonna call me a man i done been called all sort of shit but like you know battling that suppression that internal suppression but knowing i have something to say that could be important to change people's lives or whatever it may be um you know is throwing me off now you know so being able to walk in that is is something that um, I think Black people are definitely tired of having to figure out. Like these are questions. I'm, those are questions I was asking myself and things I was saying to myself that I shouldn't have had to do because my voice is naturally this way. I naturally react. I talk with my hands. So how come when I talk with my hands, it's it's deemed this or deemed that? Why can't it just be deemed me and what I do and how I communicate and be received in that? Yeah, it goes back to what we're talking about professionalism too, or like this idea of professionalism. But then also like emotions as well. Emotions are a natural thing that naturally occur that is a gift that I would say that allows us to communicate even more sincerely and deep, deeper. But for some reason that natural response that our body has is deemed lesser than or less, um, sorry. Are y'all there? Mm -hmm. um, it's lesser than, it's deemed lesser than or less professional or less useful than logical thinking. Whereas um, I feel like since emotional 
intelligence is something so much more important and enriching than not everyone has. Um, and it's a natural thing, you know? Um, so it kind of goes back to this disconnect from our nat natural state. And that's kind of one of the core of the question, how has our relationship with nature changed over time? So I feel like because Black people have had such a, um, you know, chaotic and painful relationship with nature due to white supremacy and the slave trade, um, it can be hard for Black people to feel at peace, you know, in nature or with nature. Um, but how, how do you see that changing or do you see that changing? you know, moving forward. Man, um, for Tuskegee, we do this thing called Earth to TU, is virtual engagements. And you were, you came right when we um, did, uh, I'm sorry, someone's calling me. I'm sorry, let me turn my do not disturb on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was having the same issues. I'm sorry. All right, can you see me, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Okay, um, but with the, this land documentary, um, pretty much looking at how, you know, when the, what was it, Brown versus the Board of Education, separate but equal, how that actually didn't only segregate schools, it segregated public parks and the beach and, you know, these are natural places. So it just makes me think like, damn, when I think about my happy place, it's a beach. <laughs> you know, imagine not being able to go. And then how that contributes to, you know, my mental wealth and sense of well-being and how if that deteriorates over time, then my relationships deteriorate. And then looking at the relationships that within our family, you know, how that has been kind of compromised in a lot of different ways. And I think it's really just from stress, you know, stress. And I think that Black people have been under stress since we came over here. And a lot of that stress was directly related to our relationship and our knowledge around, you know, natural resources and culture, earth, earth work and cultivation. And so um, it has kind of put us in between a rock and a hard place, right? Where it's like, damn, we know how to, we have these skills that our ancestral have been handed down to us. We know how to use it this it, the land is tied up with so many thoughts and memories of oppression that it's almost that it turns to that. and then the way that people are looked at for being farmers like farming is not considered a no like a, a hot job you know it's kind of getting there is returning to that um but i think it's more out of necessity and the understanding the education of people than it is like people just waking up like oh, i'm gonna be a farmer like that's not what people are doing you know yeah 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 i would agree because there's so much trauma associated with um that and you know it's literally called dirty work so it's you know getting your hands dirty hard labor um but the thing is at the same time there's so much glory and so much you know peace with being working in harmony with nature so yeah well, the next question that we were looking at is, how does the relationship between uh, each other, humans, affect the land? I feel like that's a really important question. You were kind of touching on it before when you mentioned uh, climate change. Oh, wait, I think somebody's in the waiting room. Is somebody in the waiting room? Why do people keep calling me and why is it coming through? <laughs> man okay yeah it was some people in the waiting room all right jody's back oh my hey. son hey my son thank you he he sent me a text message like let me in the club i'm like what <laughs> okay the question or you got it please i'm sorry please repeat the question because my phone is no it's fine um, so we're talking about, you know, the relationship with nature, humans' relationship with nature, but how does humans' relationship with each other affect nature and the atmosphere and the world in large? And you were mentioning a little bit about climate change and stuff like that, so I didn't know if you want to elaborate. My bad, G. You know, that should be happening. But pretty much, um, I mean, you directly see it in climate change, right, um, where 
Um, agriculture contributes 25% of the greenhouse gases to the uh, to globe to greenhouse blah 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 blah, blah to global warming, and um, understanding that if we shifted our those practices, not only have negative implications for the environment, but also for pe for the people that get that food who eat those products, right? And so when you look at how um, if we treated the earth better, we could treat each other better. Or the question could be, if we actually gave a fuck about each other, we would then treat the earth better because we understand how it's a common good and we all have to share it. So I don't know, that's kind of like a chicken or the egg type thing for me. Yeah, no, there's so many sides to that. Um, I think it's definitely a reflective relationship, like how we treat um, the earth is reflected of how we treat each other and how we don't value each other and how everything's instantane instantaneous you know we want it right now instant gratification and then you know when we get bored or it no longer has value to us we discard it or no longer take care of it so i feel like that's really reflective of well, definitely american culture but um a lot of a lot of cultures that create the largest amount of environmental harm let me say that because, um, you know, there's a couple of countries that do the most polluting, the most, you know, um, environment, environmental harm. But another aspect that a lot of people don't talk about as well is war and conflict and how that has a large impact on the environment. And a lot of environmental degradation comes from conflict or, you know, conflict scenarios or, you know, whether it's in a country or two different countries fighting against each other. Mm -hmm. Like the atomic bomb. What yeah. good could that shit possibly do <laughs> for any, like there was no purpose in creating that shit but to blow somebody up. And then when you think about the negative radiation um, that uh, occurred for all of those people for years and years and generations down the line, when you look at the Vietnam War with Agent Orange and how that is the same, that was the beginning of pesticide. So we're seeing war attack our food and then we're wondering why we're at there's a war going on between each other and food and natural resources are our tools in that war. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even Puerto Rico was used as like a army training area and so there's a lot of chemicals and environmental harm in that region left over, yeah. Um, it's a island of Vieques, I wanna say, that was used for like, I don't know how many years as like they were testing some type of chemical war, uh, weapons in that area so you um, know jody said that's where godzilla came from i'm gonna need you to explain that that yeah. shit just kind of blew my mind that's why what godzilla yeah. <laughs> yo that's the uh when they um, when well when america bombed uh japan that's where uh like years later like people like they weren't like overtly like you it was a no-no to talk about it how did you feel me they got nuked basically so uh the creative godzilla like created godzilla the godzilla is the like the physical embodiment of the uh bomb and what the surrounding effects like every time they talk about godzilla in the original godzilla movies it's basically uh, uh you know i forgot the word but you know like a liter literary tool to use for the personification of something or an event or what oh metaphor so like that's where godzilla comes from and like people speculate that you know king kong comes from you know uh america's racial prejudice and I yeah mean, yeah that's so crazy. like those two things oh my god i didn't know that it makes sense it makes so much sense but i never knew that My mind just kind of got blue. I'm not even going to lie. I'm like, damn, Godzilla, that shit. I, suddenly that movie just hits a little different um, when I see that. And it's, but I mean, it's like a natural response to yeah. what humans did to other humans. So that's like. Yeah, so it's like, if we're going to do that to other humans, imagine the harm that we do to an environment that has no ability to advocate for itself, you know? whether it's animals or biospheres or, you know, when you want to talk about the ocean and plastics, you know, that's a whole nother depression, depressing. Yeah. 
is more plastic in the ocean than there are fish per ton per pound yeah that's just crazy is that current I mean, or is it going to be i can't remember i think that's current i'm pretty oh, sure that's current okay damn but i was gonna ask like or ask you do you think that that stems from i know in in school they would ask us the question um are we a part of nature like what is humans relationship to nature and where does the understanding of that relationship come from yeah i mean it definitely depends on who you're talking to or who you're asking and so i would definitely i would definitely advocate that we are a part of nature and i would include us in that category but at the same time the reason we've gotten in so much environmental harm i would say is a lot of people don't see us as a part of nature, we, they see nature outside of themselves and a, a tool or a resource, like a natural resource for them to harvest, to use for our utility. So um, I feel like it was that mindset that's gotten us where we are. So I'm hoping that, you know, conversations like this and, you know, more education about the importance of, you know, the planet and um, our separation from nature. Yeah, like Sarah's saying, that you know the more that we learn about that the more we can shift that narrative and people can real you know have a more holistic view of policies environmental policies or whether it's energy water actual agriculture more holistic you know practices of cultivating crops whatever it may be as long as we think of nature and in the environment including ourselves i feel like we'll make better decisions or i would hope we would make better decisions that we have made so, thus far. Yeah, Sarah said the separation of nature and us is the result of capitalism. Sarah, you wanna explain that a little more? Yeah, yeah, I would love to. Um, I mean, just in a very reductionalist way, I think you guys are touching on so many important points that are some of the biggest structural failures of capitalism and more specifically, these are the results of colonial legacies, right? Like the method of conquering an area and exploiting resources and viewing worth only through a monetary lens is not just a colonial figure, but it's currently how the US and Western countries wage war on countries, right? Um, but the, the domination and the commodification of the earth is also contemporaneous to the commodification and control of a woman's body, right? This perspective that, you know, you guys were talking earlier about professionalism and, you know, what is considered wild and untamed. And at our core, this taps into some of our most conditioned, bigoted beliefs of colonialism that what you don't understand, you conquer. And... And it has so many reactions, right? Candace, you mentioned your voice and like how trying to fit into certain spaces because of understanding like what's available. I know I'm ranting right now, but just in essence, just to say this is all tied to capitalism, even the very notion of like individualism, which overlooks the fact that we are nature, we are an ecosystem, we are a part of this greater collective yeah. And until we, you know, reclaim that identity that I am not separate, just as the apple tree sprouts apples, uh, you know, the earth peoples people. <laughs> like we, we are meant to be here. Yes. Yes, that's why I'm like, uh, I know you got, I know you got something for us, man. I know it. Um, yeah, Jody. What about you? Do you think that um, you're a part of nature, or nature is a part of you, or how? Do, what's your relationship to nature look like, or do you have a relationship with nature? Uh, yeah, I think I think we. I mean, we humans. We're just another part of the planet's ecosystem. Like the planet is planet and nature is bigger than us. Like we we act like we're bigger than nature, and we put in this mindset that we're bigger than everything else and every other animal on the earth when it's, just, it's not necessarily true. Like, I feel like climate change and everything that's happening is just nature's response and evolution to our evolution in mindset. Yeah. 
Like we created our environment. We created everything that's going to happen. So we're still a part of it. I mean, to an extent, right? I mean, if you live in the city, then yeah, you did kind of create that environment was created. That's damn. I don't know if I, I don't know. That hit me a certain type of way when you said no. it. it's like we did, but we didn't, but we did. At the same time, I, I really like that notion, too, that you create your environment, because I feel like a lot of times, I and this is a new concept to me, but I saw an article talking about, you know, when this idea of wild and when the, talking about colonization, when the um, conquistadors or, you know, whatever, Europeans came here, they thought of this land as wild and untamed, when actually the Native Americans had ways of cultivation and keeping the land, maintaining the land. So just because, you know, your idea or your, the definition of maintaining or order or being balanced um, isn't the stereotypical cities or structured rows or, you know, um, mass crop fields. Like as just because it doesn't look like that doesn't mean it's not being maintained or cultivated, you know? Um, so in a sense, you know, we do create our environment because we have such a, humans have such an impact, you know, no matter where we go, no matter where we go, we're going to have an impact on the land and an environment, even if we're living at peace and at harmony. So it's not bad inherently to have an impact on the land, because like Jody said, we are part of the environment. We're going to make an impact, just like a wolf, you know, walking around eating a rabbit, shitting on the trail. He's making an impact. He's feeding, you know, the uh, fungus. He, you know, like everything has an impact. So we have to accept that we're going to have an impact on the land, but we got to choose what type of impact we want to make, you know? And like, that's so powerful from an individual scale all the way up to social change. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the potential to have an impact is mm -hmm. so empowering. And this, and it's something that I think can be so sparked in nature. Um, while I'm here in Chicago, I'm not gonna lie, like, you know, last year I was working with these brothers that been in jail, they done been, you know, they done been doing all sorts of things, and, um, to see them planting sunflowers was like, you know, a lot of them, it took them back to when they was with their grandmothers, and some of these 30 and 40 year old men who done been, who knows what they done done in that, in that yeah. whole time between, you know, planting plants with their grandma and then being in this program with me, so, you know, just to understand, it's healing, it's empowering, it, it, it sparks entrepreneurship and problem solving. It, it yeah. just being in nature is so positive. It's like to not be able to be in nature or to not have any nature around you is just like, it's, it's really sad. I was, I was talking to somebody and they were telling me about how um, Georgia used to have peach trees all downtown. Was that, were, were we talking about that? That sounds familiar. You could just take them off. Yeah, yeah you could just walk up and, and pull peach trees and pull peaches right, I mean, downtown. But then yeah. over time, you think about it, Georgia's known for its peaches, so then it becomes, well, why are we just gonna let them grab it off the tree when they could come buy it, you know? So, um... Capitalism. <laughs> loud and clear, baby. So wait, I got a question. Here's a question. Um, I got into this conversation yesterday with my stepmother and one of my good friends and of course the question of why we're talking about nature and balance and harmony and, and being in that um is this notion of sustainable capitalism right that we can continue to exist excuse me we can continue to exist the way that we are existing and that over time through technology or whatever we will find a way to kind of mitigate the negative impacts that that we have so um what are your thoughts so i just i just this just hit my head i'm like what are your thoughts Ooh. on that let's let's explore that okay so i'm just gonna dumb down the little bit of economics i know because me and you me and candace took environmental economics class and oh that was enriching but also yeah very struggling very hard yes so one of the best things that i learned that has stuck with me is there's idea of use value and non-use value and in capitalism 
there is no way to properly, you know, um, capitalize or give a numerical value to non-use item, non-use value items. Sorry, I'm tongue twister, but non-use value. Um, so, like trees or you know fresh water or a beautiful scenery that's a non-use um item like there's not an inherent number you can put on there so the way the capitalist system works there's we're not going to value that if we can't get money out of it if we can't get a use out of it if we can't capitalize off of it we're not going to value it if it's not going to be valued it's going to be degraded you know um so no matter what form or like you know uh, sarah was mentioning reformation there is no reformation of capitalism in of itself is inherently you know going to cause <laughs> things to be um uh i'm sorry be reaped be taken advantage of to be used to the maximum amount of use which is being exploited exploited <laughs> I was like, what's the word? Exploited. Exploited. Yes. No, whether it's people, whether it's natural resources, whether it's, you know, whoever's on the other side of the equation, for someone to gain um, wealth or capital, capita, someone is going to be exploited on the other end. And whether it's human beings or nature, you know, that's not how we should be moving forward, in my opinion. She said, Sarah said, exactly. Everything is reduced to its monetary value. Um, exactly. And, and the sad part is with human beings in our limited notion, right? Like Jody said, like, we just think that we bigger than everything out here. But the truth yeah. is, even if we could put a number to the value, to the use value of nature, the number would not be correct, right? Because we have no way of predicting what this tree is actually doing for us when we're not looking when we're you know what i'm saying like yeah. yes it's sequestering carbon but what else is it doing how is yeah. this tree providing a home to this squirrel which is providing food for this wolf which is actually keeping that whole ecosystem balanced you know what i mean there are and then if the ecosystem is balanced that's 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 clean air that's clean oxygen that people can breathe so that's less heart disease, lung disease, lung cancer, asthma. There's less people dying. Now, yeah. how do we put a value to that? You know, and it's like, um, you know, my, my homie Mashawn out here in Chicago, he's got a place called Trap House Chicago. And he, he has a, a campaign that's called Crime Pays. And he has a, a shirt and on the back of the shirt. He pretty much lists everybody that gets paid when you go to jail or when a crime is committed. And it's like, it's a whole system. It's the police that get paid, the ambulance that get paid, the coroner, the funeral homes, the, the you know what I'm saying, the ambulance, the firefighters, because they show up. And if you're getting firefighters, you're getting gas companies. Like, these are all these different, um, different layers to a capitalist structure, right? And, yeah. and we have to think about this before people just come to us talking about, oh, yeah, you can do what you... And I, and I think sometimes it's the limited nature, not limited nature, but it's our, our fear of change, right, mm. that keeps us from being willing to make the necessary changes and sacrifices that need to be made for yeah. everyone to have a fair shot at um, equitable lifestyles and environments in the 21st century uh, that was hard i was fighting that everywhere um no that was great that was great um and I, that's another thing that i always tell people are, when i get in a conversation about capitalism there's always someone profiting on the other side of it like it's never just bad policy or they made a mistake like this is intentional because someone is making money of other people getting hurt or other people being having lack thereof or whatever it may be mm -hmm. Um, lobbyists there are yeah. people who get paid to be in dc every day all day to advocate for the interest of, of fortune 500 companies they follow these congressmen they follow them to their homes they follow them to the hill they follow them to breakfast lunch and dinner they take them out to dinner dates they take them to the city bars they do all these things if you watch p valley then you already know shit is going down and i've been watching p valley and let me tell you it is so amazing because it's about this strip club that's in the delta of mississippi and the strip club is conveniently located 
right next to the river, to the Mississippi River. So it's prime real estate. And there's a casino that wants to come in and purchase this land. And they don't care none about the people who are there. They don't care anything about the environment. They don't care about none of that. It's like, this is an opportunity and we want to take advantage of it, period. And, yeah. you know, there are different people in the city that are contributing to this takeover of their town. And they're saying like, oh, well, it'll bring jobs. It'll do this, it'll do that. But the truth is, you know the truth. It's exploitation. That's what it is. These people don't have jobs, so let's just come and get them any job we deem necessary, even if it is, you know, casinos. We'll give it to the education, which all the money you put in towards that casino could have went towards better schools and better education, but it's, you know, it's the way that money, it's, it's not the what, it's the how. It's, it's always it's the how. And it was, hold on, I want to read these comments because we had some people make a they said there's probably more money in death than life. Damn, Jody. Definitely. Wow. And Sarah said, exactly. Communities don't own land under capitalism. Only those with power. Exactly. And there was one more thing I wanted to touch on that with sustainable capitalism that really irks me, if I got to be honest. It's, it's just the condoning of excessiveness and overconsumption that it puts across right so yeah like you can make a change we don't need to change exactly and it keeps people it keeps you comfortable which seems like a good thing at the time but in reality it is stunting you it is not empowering you it's keeping you in a controllable state and it just makes me think like, I really, I'm telling you what, um, Adrian Marie Brown, after I read Pleasure Activism, it has like, it continuously, I, it's a challenge for myself. Like, and that's what I'm saying, like from an individual scale to a societal scale, we're talking about making change. Like you have to be willing to imagine a place and a society and policies that are conducive for everybody. And it's more than just society on the line. It's kind of like your soul, if you get down like that. Like your ability to be able to imagine a world where you can win and your neighbor can win and everybody can eat. Like, yeah. if, if you can't imagine that, it's really kind of scary. And I think we live in, a, a, in an era where when you say things like sustainable capitalism, that's what you really are saying. Like you're you're saying all of these things with these two words next to each other being thrown around so willy-nilly but you don't even the average person i don't think they think about all of the levels of the repercussions behind that way of thinking yeah sarah just said exactly and what is ethical capitalism it's still con contingent on consumption so it kind of goes back to your point like it's based on consumption so at the end of the day people are prioritizing their need for consumption over actually helping others because while you're consuming there's 15 other people who don't have food who don't have a house that are homeless like or you know don't have access to clean water which you know we want to talk about global issues that's a un mandated human right but like how many people don't have access to free water or not free water but access accessible and clean safe water Mm -hmm. and that see and even with that like i i just so like now what's going on this is another piece of news that um i don't think we touched on but um what's going on in nigeria um police brutality campaign the insars um i forgot what SARS stands for but i know it's like the national like they're they were having armed robberies and gun control and so they're like a local police force but pretty much they're going crazy they're abusing their power and understanding how capitalism for example when um you know in in baltimore when who was it freddie gray in baltimore and they burned down the cvs and they were covering the cvs they're covering the burnt property or brianna taylor for example where you can literally kill someone but you're, you don't go to jail for the human life that you just took. You go to jail for the damage to the property that you created. Like what message does that send and how does that echo throughout the earth, you know? But I think the real challenge is for black people to be able to see ourselves in not only the instances of injustice in the United States, but in injustice all over the world and environmental injustice runs just as rampant as police brutality, just as rampant as gang violence, as 
as white supremacy like these are real manifestations and i think it's really important for us as people of color to assert ourselves in these arenas and to broaden up that environmental spectrum and understanding what nature really consists of and how broad nature really is and the real role that we play within nature as nature <laughs> yeah well going I'm, I'm sorry i just went all over the place my bad no you're fine that brings us back to our last question it's like how do we on an individual level or on a societal global level improve our relationship with nature you know what do you think <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's definitely a hard question like and it, again it really depends on you know who you are and where you're at in the world but on an individual level like i feel like a lot of times our definition of nature is very narrow and we only allow ourselves to uh, appreciate nature if it's in you know the most holistic wholesome form of you know a state park or a beautiful beach or you know a, a nice river like for me because there's a lot of rivers in texas um but nature or being in nature can be anything whether it's even just standing on your manicured apartment grass and like letting the sun soak up your on your skin for 15 minutes or five minutes however long you have like i feel like we need to break these barriers and these strict definitions of what nature is so i feel like that's the first step you know because if we can appreciate nature anywhere we can see nature everywhere you know what i'm saying uh so is that a quote <laughs> camper k down real quick <laughs> um, so uh, 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 uh. Yeah. So that yeah. was beautiful. Can you say that twice? Um, I think I said if you can appreciate nature anywhere, you can see nature everywhere. So um, I feel like that's a really, really key point. You know, you need to see it where you can, um, and then we can see it everywhere because it is everywhere. It's like when we talked about our bodies, we talked about you know cities we talked about actual nature like we talked about so many different sectors capitalism it, nature exists and all of it because like jody said we are a part of it you know so until we kind of break down that and you know struggle with that we can't really impact nature on a larger scale so kind of and you mentioned that too it's on an individual level for sure you know this is something we need to grapple with Camper K, I ain't gonna lie, that shit just almost brought tears to my eyes. You like, if you can see nature, wait, I forgot. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> Is it everywhere? That, if you can see nature everywhere, then you can see nature anywhere. No, if you can appreciate nature everywhere, then you can anywhere. see nature anywhere. Everywhere. That is beautiful. And it's like, it helps to, I agree with you. I think it, it's kind of like a big question but you just broke it down so beautifully like in the three little bite-sized pieces like um change your definition right of nature and a way to do that is to see yourself like yeah. be present with yourself you know and damn g you just you just snap i'm gonna let you close you what you you close because you're you damn let, let's do you got some poetry you want to read today uh i don't I was just thinking that, hold on. Well, we, while I look for it, let's ask um, Sarah and Jody if they have any uh, tips or ideas of how to improve our relationship with nature while I look real quick. Yeah, I think, wow, hold on. Thank you guys so much. That was so good. It's so meaningful to have these type of engagements. These conversations are so important. Thank you. Even just for the banter, all of it is so good and meaningful. And now more than ever, this is the type of, you know, nutrition we all need. Um, you know, for me, I think everything always stems back to the state and capitalism. And as long as we look past and, and deconstruct conditioned identities, right, um, and conditioned systems, and we finally realize I am a part of the collective. I am a part of the whole. Um, that's that's the first step to to getting back to, you know, our authentic self, 
we, we have a, a conditioned self that society has just convinced us like, this is how you access food. This is how you get information. You are American and therefore you can have any type of seasoned fruit all year round and don't question where it comes from and who it oppressed. But, you know, for me, I, I, I always, I always go back to, um, revolution and no more billionaires, no more corporations that monopolize food and health and medicine. When we can finally, um, you know, have a working class allegiance to one another that prioritizes and protects the bodies of black women and, you know, transgender women, then, then we'll, we'll be, you know, in a closer direction. But there's, there's no sustainable capitalism. There's no, there's no concession from a system that is contingent on starvation. There's no success within a system that was built with as long as this line on a graph touches this line, this many people have to starve. You, you know, I, yeah. yeah, that's my, <laughs> that's my closing rant, but thank you Absolutely. guys so much. <laughs> Thank you. It makes Sarah. me think about Beyonce. Um, yeah, always a pleasure, Sarah. Damn it, damn. I wish this was like two years ago, man. <laughs> that shit was so great. We we lived that shit up, man. man. Literally. Um, Jody, you got you got some comments. How can we get back in tune with ourselves and nature? Like how we do that? What does that even look like? Where do we start? Do we meditate to Beyonce, the gift? Because that's what I do. <laughs> I don't I don't know like the big the big answers yet, but I feel like starting out, you could just uh go out in communities and educate people and break down like the the negative connotation I guess well at least in cities that there is with nature and your connection to nature because I think mostly in the cities like people you know you grow up thinking like nature is something some other thing that's completely far away from your inner city and these buildings and whatnot but it's not nature is all around us because we are nature so it's like breaking down those that type of stigma and barrier in inner cities and then educating people on nature and how they can help with, you know, their footprint and what they leave on earth for the next generation. Mm. Definitely. And I think that's a, that's a good, um, definitely a good question to ask, ask yourself too, if you're trying to figure out like on a very basic scale, like is what I'm doing positive or am I leaving a positive contribution for the next generation and if you can honestly to the best of your knowledge say yes um that's like you know even in the hood you feel me which you know it they have less a significant less a blah, blah, blah. there are significantly less garbage cans placed on every corner in the hood than it is you know on the north side or whatever but you know even still like having like one thing I want to start doing out here in South Shore is doing like community cleanup days where we just take a day and everybody comes outside and pick up trash. Like it's just whatever. And then once we show that we start caring, we can put our own garbage cans out. You know, like we don't have to wait on people to tell us our environment is beautiful if we claim it and make it beautiful. If we just take that ownership upon ourselves and if we have to look at it as a responsibility to the next generation to do it, then we can do that. But because that's also what it is. Um, but I was not playing. I definitely meditate to Beyonce, um, The Gift, because that shit is powerful. And the first song is bigger, right? So we just said, like, checking in, knowing that everything is really bigger than you. All the things that are going on are bigger than you. Um, and then the second one is find your way back. So deconstructing these lenses that have been placed on us um, to see ourselves as different or to see other people as the other, um, kind of getting rid of that. And right now I'm just kind of riding Beyonce's dick. So Camper Cam, I'm going to pass it to you. Yeah, no, this was such a great uh, conversation, super enriching. I was just telling Kando before we started, like, I felt like it was perfect timing because yesterday was Indigenous Peoples Day. So to, like, it just makes me think about, yeah, you know, being with nature, and I feel like, and I talked about how the indigenous people had ways of cultivating the land that was more in balance and at peace, and I feel like that's 
what we're trying to get back to hopefully and I love you know reading history and learning more about the indigenous you know peoples that are still alive and still here and still fighting for the land but also historical ways of keeping the land it's always inspirational to me so this conversation was you know a light fuzzy feeling and I'm so thankful for it um, and it gives me hope moving forward that we can rebuild our relationship with um, nature that's not based on cap capita and gains and um, starvation of people and ex exploitation of nature. Okay, this is a short piece that I wrote um, after like a little little hiking trip but it's called Remember to Take Off Your Shoes. At times, you may be trapped, enclosed, sequestered, feeling like a wilting flower or a caged anim wild animal. While you may not be the king of tigers, the wild lies within your grasp and spirit. So step boldly into the brilliant sun, allow the tall grass to kiss your calf's hello, and remember, my dear, to take off your shoes. So, there you go. Sarah, Jody, do either of you all have um, either like an appreciation for Kayla's poem or like um, a piece that you want to share? That was beautiful. I'm still just absorbing that. I'm. Thank you so much for sharing that. That. I just have the utmost appreciation and and I love you sisters. Thank you for doing this. Gang. <laughs> Gang. Um, Jody, or um, if you all have any announcements too about where you um any events coming up where you are, any events that you may have seen on Instagram that you want to shout out and let people or Facebook and let people know opportunities coming up and stuff. Okay, Jody said, I do not. I think her piece was splendid. <laughs> okay. Well, I do want to have this on the recording. I'm in Texas right now, so I need Ooh. witnesses that I'm going to be seeing uh, Kayla very soon. Yes. Just, uh, <laughs> that's my update. That's what's up. You be everywhere. Texas is where it's at, okay? You know what? Um, but to our special guest, thank you guys so much for joining. Um, you guys want to shout out your social medias? Where can people find you guys? And because we build community and everything that we do, she said, "Nope, I'm a loser." All right, Jody, son, what about you? <laughs> Unless you go. Yes. No, I'm still. I'm gonna put it in the chat. Yes. Okay. Whatever. All right. So, and of course, as always, shout out to Team Strawberries on the production, um, Strawberry Red Entertainment, the beautiful Charmin Jarman. We can't wait to see these final products. They're going to be awesome. And Militia Mojo everywhere. Thank you so much, Jody. Um, and with that being said, we okay. are wrapping. Have a good night, guys. A good day. Oh, my God.